0: Good morning Church. Good morning. It's a beautiful morning isn't it? Reminding me of one among us a few weeks ago asked for reasons to appreciate the cold. and I would add this is the third reason to appreciate the cold this beautiful snowy morning. Arriving home from a five month sabbatical in late January of 1999, Loretta and I turned west onto our street in Davidsville, Pennsylvania, Somerset County. After a three hour drive from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we were dazzled, dazzled by a bright, orange, full sun setting at the end of our road. It was as if it was on the road, so it seemed, welcoming welcoming us home. And we had the illusion that we could drive the one quarter mile down to the end of this road and get out of the car and touch the sun. It was then we realized just how small we are in comparison to our maker. It was an awe-full experience that left us nearly speechless. Our Isaiah text takes us back to a time of King Uzziah 742, who reigned in a time of relative peace and security and abundance as Judah's last powerful king. But fortunes are about to change. The prophet Amos, a contemporary of Uzziah, notes the price, the high price of abundance and self-sufficiency paid by the majority of poor people in Judah, on whose backs Judah's prosperity was built. After Uzziah's death, Judah faces serious threats of invasion by external enemies the reign of subsequent kings in Judah ultimately fails to deliver stability and security. And in this context, Isaiah sees God sitting on a throne. Not an earthly king. Not on a throne, but in the temple of God. And he has a profound sense of awe combined with his own unworthiness before God. We hear humility in his confession. Woe is me, Lord. A recognition of God's holiness, uniqueness. Yet, hear this carefully. It's not a promo for carrying around an inferiority complex about ourselves or a woe is me towards life. Rather, the symbol of fire taken from the altar has us imagining us being cleansed with fire from God, or perhaps like a forest fire set to cleanse the landscape, providing a regeneration of the soil. Furthermore, the forgiveness Isaiah experiences is not laced with specific sins. I mean, rather, It's a sense of his own uncleanness, his own unholiness, his own smallness compared to the divine. And when God asks, whom shall I send, who will go for me? It's the empowered Isaiah, fresh off from his all full experience, who says, here am I, Lord, you may send me you may send me. Fast forward about six, seven hundred years to the lake where Peter and his fishing buddies are pulling their boats on the shore in the early morning, tired, we should say exhausted, discouraged, disheartened, after a long night of casting nets with absolutely no results. We get the impression this doesn't happen too often. This is not an all-full experience. This is an awful experience. Disheartening. They are tired, hungry, ready for breakfast and a bed. Peter, we know him as a self-sufficient owner of a fishing business, not only self-employed, self-governed, self-reliant, Invincible renaissance man, he runs into a wall. His life and his success is defined by full nets, but now they're empty. And when Jesus says, go out into that deep water and cast your nets, Peter is thinking, well, we've already done that. What do you mean? But as the text says, they did it anyway. Anyway. They throw the nets out, and they are astounded by a net-breaking overflow, the largest catch ever. And his words echo that of Isaiah. Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. His life focus changes as he figuratively, figuratively gazes into a mirror We remember that old phrase, what appears larger in the mirror of our self-assessment, I'm adding on some words, is actually smaller compared to the all-fullness of God. And when we experience and realize our smallness, our worldview expands from small to larger than ourselves. reminds me of hundreds of years ago when the debate was about the earth and the Sun and many supposed that this earth was the center of the universe and everything revolved around it and yet Copernicus and others died for declaring that no the Sun is the center not us and the earth Isaiah and Peter's smallness is revealed my friends, in order to empower them to follow God's call. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, Matthew writes, who know they don't know everything, who know they need help. They can't do it all in their own power. Conversely, conversely, what happens when we think the universe revolves around us and our interests for our benefit? It's egomania especially dangerous when leaders of any kind are so full of themselves and appear to nurture a position above needing help. But most importantly, friends, this morning I hope our takeaway is more than appreciating or ooing and awing over Isaiah and Peter's experience or ours. It's what happens afterward within Isaiah and Peter and their response that I hope we take with us. Both feel unworthy in front of God, yet are empowered by a cleansing experience with God. Isaiah, to speak to an inward-looking people regarding God's judgment and hope, indeed, Isaiah speaks of a stump of hope in verse 13 of chapter chapter 6, where a holy seed in this stump is ready to branch out, giving us courage to look for hope in our stumps of life. Peter, on the other hand, is told not to fear, and he's assured that from here on out, he'll be catching people with the good news of Jesus. That's more than enough to make him feel small, isn't it? He doesn't know anything about that. And yet when he comes face he, yet he will come face to face with more empty nets again and again and again, and so do we. So, what are our nets that keep us so busy that has us missing this all full experience with God? One pastor writes in the Christian century about her predictable net life. A very present to do list, a lineup of daily tasks awaiting my care, edit the bulletin, write the sermon, prepare a Bible study, teach a member's class tend to the ma- emails and text. She says her life is a well-known weave of ministry tasks. And she resonates when Peter is asked to cast his nets into deeper waters. And as Todd has often noticed about a word jumping out, this one jumps out at me. Peter wasn't just told to cast his nets out into water, but into deeper waters. Implying there's something deeper that Christ has for Peter and his companions. It's not that our nets in our lives are not important. Rather, sometimes our nets become empty as a result of staying in the shallow waters with God. So throw your, water, throw your nets into the deep waters, Peter. In this way, Luke reminds us there is more to life than our daily nets. So Jesus is asking Peter and us, in a sense, to sacrifice our nets, our inward-looking perceptions of worth and identity, to follow God's call. But you know, it can be scary, right? Peter can fish and clean fish in his sleep, but how to follow Jesus' call is scary and intimidating. But Jesus does just that, calls Peter to change his focus and view of himself in order to branch out. I believe God encounters people, humans, not to condemn and terrify, but rather to transform and to call. And I wonder, what has been an experience of all that has shaped you? How has it impacted your life? Where have these experiences led you to a deeper walk with God and how have they shaped your life to branch out of yourselves and myself? I remember my own call to be a pastor attending seminary gave me many, many, many reminders of my smallness. There's no guarantee that going to seminary, you'll end up being a pastor. Even though that's your sense of call entering in. And yet, I was reminded by our professors that it's that sense of call that will carry you through when the nets seem empty. Those moments of all fullness. Reduce us to simply remember to be still and know that I am God. So returning from sabbatical was a mixed experience emotionally for me. On the one hand, I was eager to get back to our home, our family and friends, familiar surroundings, yet to be honest, I wasn't quite ready to dive back into my pastoral net. Seeing that all fullness of that sun, however, resting on that road, inviting me to reach out and touch it, was a sign of reassurance to me of God's presence. And all I had to do was recall my smallness and God's otherness. May we all see ourselves more clearly when we come face to face with the all fullness of God. And may we branch out with the good news of Jesus, restoring reconciling, and forgiving. May it be so. Amen.